0: Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. I am Andrew Ferris, the host and the CEO of 4400, uh, an e-commerce holding company that acquires, operates and grows D2C brands. And it is acquisition week. We are pumped for episode two this week, uh, talking about 4400's acquisition of 31 bits. I'm here today with the founders of 31 bits, two of the four. And we are gonna talk all about sort of the story of this brand, what these two ladies are excited about. Uh, so let's get going. All right. We are here with uh, Callie and Jesse from 31 Bits. Ladies, how's it going? Good.
1: Thanks for having
0: us. I'm super excited about it. I uh, It's been all 31 Bits uh, mind share for me all the time for the last uh, week or two, especially just the closer this thing has gotten, the more that we're excited about uh, doing it, and just the more that my my brain and I know a lot of my team's brain is just going nuts on making this happen. So we are super pumped, and um, maybe we could just start here by each of you introducing yourselves and make sure to say your name with your voice so that for the rest of this episode, people can know who's talking. Um, but uh, but yeah, you can just tell us uh, who you are, and um, and then maybe whoever goes second, maybe you can uh, talk about how you guys met each other and in the very beginning of the thirty one bit story and. Uh, and we'll kind of start there.
1: I'm Callie. Um,
0: wait, sorry. Is
1: that all I'm supposed
0: to say? It's a good start. <laughs> uh, where, where do you live? Uh, tell me, tell us, tell us a little bit maybe of how, maybe, I don't know, you could tell the story of how you met from your side and, and, okay. and all that.
1: That sounds great. So, um, I'm Callie Thompson, um, Again, one of the founders of Thirty One Bits, and um, I live in Bali most of the year, except for this COVID time. I am back in Costa Mesa, California, um, and for this acquisition, which works out like in, with a great timing. Um, but yeah, so Jesse and I we met in college. Um, I had started Thirty One Bits um, in a very small way of just, it was more of an idea. Um, and, and started working with, um, with ladies and she, she was one of my friends and we started, um, just talking about it and she was interested. Um, and yeah, and things like, we just hung hanging out. And then, um, I did, we, I did my first, um, trip there and got to know women and just was like, okay, we're going to do this. And then later on she would, she was the perfect fit to add to our team. And, um, yeah. And she's been here ever since Jesse, you can tell story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: yeah. Well, thanks for having us. We're obviously super excited about this and, um we so yeah, Callie and I met in college. Um I'm Jesse Alexander, by the way. And we when Callie approached me in college with this idea, I mean I was kind of off doing my own thing and trying to figure out what was next in my life and thought, you know, okay, this is awesome that you have this amazing jewelry made by these women in Uganda, but um didn't really know if that was the direction that I wanted to take. And so a few she asked a few girls to jump on, our friends, um, Brooke, Allie, and Anna. And the girls went to Uganda and, you know, established kind of our, and I'm sure we'll get into this more, but established these amazing relationships with artisans there. And they brought all this jewelry back. And I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be more than just, uh, you know, selling jewelry to classmates. This is, they started kind of dreaming up this bigger idea, asked me to join on. And it sort of felt like everything we've been studying in college and everything that the, you know, the needs that were in Uganda and then the women that were around us that were so excited about buying this product. It just kind of felt like a, a, a no brainer that this had fallen into our laps. And so, um, so yeah, when the girls asked me to jump on, I was super excited about the opportunity. And, um, and we spent our senior year of college basically, uh, being students by day and, um, struggling entrepreneurs by night, but spent um, so much time investing into figuring out what does international development look like? What is producing products internationally and shipping them to the U.S. look like? How do you sell this stuff? And so we just got some really cool opportunities early on. And um, and yeah, and here we are.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so, so Taylor and I talked uh, in the last episode a little bit about the 31-bit story, but I actually really purposefully left a lot of that information out. Um, because, you know, you just referenced Uganda and college and a couple of those things that I think people who have kind of followed this story a little bit, um, ha- maybe have heard about, but, uh, but could, could either of you really, um, talk a little bit more about the Genesis of 31 bits and sort of the, be- the very beginning of idea uh, the beginning idea of the company and, and sort of where that came from.
2: Yeah. I mean, Callie, I'm sure we'll have a ton more to add since so much of this was her vision in the beginning, but the two of us were actually both anthropology majors, cultural anthropology, and we had a really amazing. We went to Vanguard University in Southern California and had a really amazing education of just professors that were doing similar work. They were doing international development work, and we had learned really early on what really t- uh, harmful development work could look like. You know, kind of the top-down mentality of the. Westerner going in to save the third world country. And we had learned all about the different ways of doing development work that could be really harmful and leave a kind of de- create a dependency that wasn't helpful to a community. And if anything, at first, I that kind of scared me out of ever doing development work, but we'd also seen all these beautiful examples of what community development looked like. That was um, about using resources and talents and assets that were already present in a community to help grow that community. And, When Callie brought this jewelry back, that's really what we saw was, you know, here's a group of women that desperately need an income, desperately need jobs, but they have this talent and they have this skill and they have something so beautiful that is part of their of their community and part of who they are. And we can sell this product and um and essentially give them a marketplace, give them a a a community or a customer base to sell their products to that they couldn't get in Uganda. And so I feel like for for me, at least, and I think for Callie, it was really seeing everything that we had learned in college and everything that we had learned what to do and what not to do, and then meet this group of women that it it just felt like, and I think that's where the the no-brainer element came in, where it was like, okay, these women have this amazing skill. All they need is some people to show it to, and they can't find that in their own community. So let's help them. Let's find that for them. And so that's what made it feel like very much like the path we should take for me.
0: Yeah, that's, that's so awesome. I think hearing the story, one of the things I know we have, I talked about this before, but every intention of honoring is sort of that vision, which is like uh, ethical, ethically made fashion that is really serious about the ethical part, which is means that it's not just about good intentions. It's about understanding the cultural effects and community effects in a different place and how that matters. I suspect as the as you guys have been on this journey, I I think 2009 right is when it started, is, if I'm not mistaken. It, that I imagine that your understanding of those things have changed, um, Callie, Maybe you could talk a little about that first trip that Jesse referenced and sort of what the uh, what the beginning of it was for you personally, and and even a little bit about that initial jewelry that you were seeing.
1: Yeah. So um, in 2008, I went to work in Uganda um, just to work in an orphanage. And I just wanted to do, I wanted to become a nutritionist in orphanages. Um, and so while I was still in college, I decided, okay, I'll spend my summer months, um, just getting experience in, in orphanages. And so the year before that I went to Haiti, amazing, amazing, um, time. And then this, that year I was like, okay, I'm going to find, I'm going to do Uganda. Both times I had no connection except for finding, orphanages online and it ended up not working out, but I had the amazing opportunity to meet these women that were making this jewelry. So um our jewelry, as everyone probably knows about through bits, is that it's um gone to base jewelry is all made out of paper so it's something that is very easily accessible for the women um they were able to find posters and they cut them up into small pieces of paper into like triangles and then roll them up and then put a um a varnish on it and then string it and make a necklace um so it's something that you know it was it didn't need tools it was all could be done at home um with just their hands um and so it was, it was just like an amazing product that was beautiful, extremely hand done. And, um, and yeah, but like Jesse said, they didn't have anywhere to sell it. Um, this jewelry is very much seen as, um, in Uganda for sure. It's seen as like, everybody can do it. It's not, it's not a value. Um, and for us, we saw so much value in it, so much value of, Wow, like you're doing you're making this from paper. That's amazing. And you're doing it all by hand. Like it's so much time and effort that goes into it. Um, but yeah, so we I just the, I got to know these ladies over three months and they asked me, Cal, can you sell this jewelry for us? And like Jesse said, I had been in this, um been in these community development and international development classes and just really seeing how it can go bad and I had already had intentions of doing nutrition and so I really didn't want to make a a promise that I couldn't hold up. Um and so I just told them, okay, I'll buy this one box because I want to help. Um but that's that's it. Like that's as much as you'll hear from me pretty much. And um I went back home. I'm from a really small farmer's town in Oregon and I went to my really, really small <laughs> Christian high school, they had like this like old Christian high school. They had like a Christmas fair and I sold it there and I sold out like the whole box on that one weekend. And it just clicked. I was like, "If if I can sell it here, I'm pretty sure like I might be able to do something. And then women won't have to send their kids to an orphanage. They'll be able to provide for their kids and they themselves will have confidence and it could be a ripple effect into the community. Um, And so, yeah, I just got so excited about that. Um, No real, honestly, I didn't care a world about the jewelry at all or fashion. All I cared about was that there could be a really cool solution that could give confidence and that could give self-sustainability. Um, and so then that next, that next summer, I went back to Uganda, um, with our other founders and started working and said with six women, okay, we're going to, let's do this. We'll hire you on full-time, make the product and honest. And it started out, our whole program started out with just listening okay, you know, you work in your own homes, I'll meet with you wherever you want, whenever you want. And let me just listen at what you need. And our program became very intense and very so many things to it and um, many multi layers to it that and it was all created just from listening on, okay, what's going on in the home? All right, well, we're having, a, we're having domestic violence. All right, let's do counseling. Let's do trainings. Let's do a men-to-men program so we can bring the men in and also interact with them so it's not just only the women. Um, okay, we're having, we have no idea about HIV and yet we're living with it. Okay, let's bring in health services. Uh, and it just went on at finance training. It went on and on and on. And it just came from listening and allowing what the women to see that they are skilled and that they have so much to offer their community and their families. It's just opening the door and teaching some lessons and, and honestly listening. Um, so yeah, so that's what really what we try to do with our whole organization, but uh, our company is just listen and be a sounding board um and also make some really cool product so that's
0: my. i I just i just love that story is so good i think i feel a little jaded about most ethical fashion companies honestly i don't know i mean I, i i can't even i don't even want to speculate what you feel about it but i i just hear about them and just sort of assume like ah it's a marketing ploy like that's what you know your give back program is a way to make you look good and it's all just marketing. And, um, I mean, I knew that about 31 bits that it wasn't the case with you. Um, but I actually think it's the first time I've heard you describe that story in that much detail myself, even Callie. And it's just beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Like it's so human and so good and so much better than just, yeah, yeah, we're going to go help. Uh, you know, we can, we can help, you know, uh, there's so much more to it than that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's really awesome. And tell me, a, tell me a little bit about kind of the market you found once you actually did come back home with more jewelry and start producing more of it and what those early days of 31 Bits were like on the uh, supply side, or excuse me, on the demand side, not the supply side.
1: Yeah, so um, that the early days it was, I mean, I was in Uganda, so I was doing all of the um, a little product production and design aspect. Um, but the other girls were doing all the sales. So they were selling mostly at events, um, around Southern California. Um, and then also our biggest thing that, that really shot us into like, Oh, we're actually doing this. This isn't just a side job or side. It wasn't even a side job. It was like a side little something to help people. Um, it was, it was, um, uh, reef sandals. So they designed a sandal using our beads and, um, we hired and so we started working with women in August or July of 2009. Is that right, Jesse? Sorry. I'm already. Forgetting. Um,
2: uh, yeah, well actually in, 2008 we started working with them and we got that reef deal right in the I think it was like our first semester of our senior year so Callie had graduated and then the rest of us were finishing up our senior year of college and um we're calling Callie like okay this reef thing I think it's actually gonna work I think it's gonna go through and when reef approached us to make these sandals we had no idea what to expect and they ended up making, placing an order of 17,000 strands of beads to put on the sandals. And it was like, like Callie said, the thing that was, I guess our tipping point, maybe not tipping point for like total success, but tipping point for sure of like, all right, we're in this, we're doing this. This is going to be more than just a hobby or a side project. This is going to, we got to really, each of us commit to making this move forward. And so um and and i think that the cool thing about working with a company like that is it really propelled us to start taking the right steps to become a business and not just looking at this as a side project but really looking at the long term of what's the best, like, how do you get a trademark? How do you get a seller's permit? How do you turn this thing that could have been a hobby into a business? And then what does that mean for the women that we're working with? How do we turn this into a long time, long-term future for them that isn't creating dependency on us, but that is really propelling them into a sustainable future, whatever that looks like. And so I feel like that reef deal was really a moment for us to be like, okay, this is, this is it. This is, we're going to take the next steps to make this something bigger than our side project. And I feel like that was the point too, that all of us committed to pursuing this after college rather than whatever it might've been that we were pursuing at the time.
0: (laughs) What were those next steps? What were the next steps that you took from there? And what was the, when, as you guys took that leap, I, I think you're telling right now a story of entrepreneurship and of, of, going for it in a way that I think we at CTC, Dream Labs, Horror for 100, we just love like we we just love celebrating entrepreneurs doing this. And we have seen enough of these stories now to know that it is no joke to go to go do that and to make the leap yourself and to we know there's blood, sweat and tears and excitement and all those kinds of things. So what was the attitude and what were the next steps?
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like it takes that aha moment. I mean, I think Calibring that jewelry back and selling out of that first box was, was definitely like the first aha moment of like, okay, this is, we've got something here, but I think it took Reef for us to be like, okay, we've got something that is going to be bigger, a lot bigger than what we thought it could be. And so I feel like that was the moment that all of us really committed to, you know, whatever, figuring out. Cause I don't, we didn't, ha- we never really had in understanding without any sort of business background or any sort of degree in business or anything like that we were literally figuring out what these steps were as we went and so i think again like with reef it was the the couple things that we needed to do just to be able to do business with a company like that so you know that trademark and business license and things like that and it literally those things began with google searches and meeting with maybe a lawyer that was connected to our college and Um, and really not taking no for an answer, just figuring out how to get the answers and the things that we needed. Um, and if we couldn't get it in one place, we'd figure out the next. And I would really say that from a production side, Callie was the go-getter behind, you know, reef requires that we use a non-toxic varnish that's water-based that's safe for the women to be working around. And we, We're saying, well, we obviously want that too. We want a safe product for all of our beads are coated in this lacquer that we wanted to make sure that was safe for our women to be working around. And so Callie went for it and just figured out, okay, how do we get this made in Uganda so that it's safer for our women, so that it passes reef standards, so that it's something that we can have long term that's sustainable. And so it was taking steps on every level it was the business side, the production side, and just figuring out how to start systemizing things so that they could actually be. like a long-term solution. And so on, on Cali really started overseeing everything that happened internationally. And then I kind of took the reins on everything happened, happening on the sales marketing side. And so a really cool thing that happened with that reef deal is a few of their sales reps that were selling jewelry to surf shops all over the world, all over the U S started contacting us saying, Hey, we're selling these sandals to all these surf boutiques. Can we sell your jewelry too? It'd be an awesome pairing with it. And so I was on the phones with these sales reps that had worked for Reef for over 20 years, knew their stuff, knew their territories like the back of their hand, we're asking me all these questions. You know, what are your terms? What are your minimum orders? What are your lead times? And I'm like, uh, what's the lead time? What's the minimum order? What are What does net 15 mean? I don't know. <laughs> and so, if you could see our Google history from that point, <laughs> we're like, you know, just literally googling uh, everything, trying to figure out what the heck it means. But, um, but we really just kept on going, and we were look.
0: I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just promise you that that there are people listening to this who are just nodding their heads along right now. Like, yeah, I this <laughs> I mean, it's
2: so true. I mean, like everything like this world just speaks in acronyms. We're like, I don't know what FOB means. What the heck does that mean? So it's just literally everything was a Google search and it was, we just, and we would get in these conversations. And at some point I'd be on the phone with these reps that are so excited and acting like I know everything there is to know about sales. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry, but could you tell me what net 15 means? <laughs> Like <laughs> And just kind of putting <laughs> ourselves out there and not being afraid to look dumb, knowing that, hey, if we just ask the stupid question, we'll get to the silly, obvious answer a lot faster than the Google searches. So I feel like for all of us, we were just at some point, we had to be willing to put ourselves out there, not be afraid to look dumb and Um, And just really try to, you know, push this forward in whatever way we could. And when I say we were like students by day and doing 31 bits by night, it is so true. I mean, the amount of memories I have of Skyping Callie at 10 o'clock at night, which was her morning in Uganda, and hearing her out on like a motorcycle in the middle of like the, the town we were in in Uganda, trying to get more materials and paper and logistics figured out and all of that. I mean, it was just the most entertaining and also hardworking like days of our lives of like you said, just the blood, sweat and tears that goes into that and just figuring it out as we go. Um and just not just not being willing to take no as an answer in any category. So um but yeah I think that's really what it it takes. And we're in a lucky place of life where You know, we, I think we, I think when I graduated college, I had $400 in my bank account. And you know, when you've got nothing to lose, then you're, you're able to take a lot of risks. So (laughs) it was a, it was a good time to do it. And, um, and we just figured it out as we went. (laughs) Gosh,
0: that is awesome. I, I think you just, I hope people listening in here, part of what we love about this brand and this partnership is just these ladies, like Jess, that story is it matters and it and it plays into how this brand came about i think you can feel it when you look at the brand i always um i i i remember tangentially i'm I'm sure i met one or both of you um in those days because i was around orange county as well and playing music i mentioned this on the last podcast also but we we played a couple shows in your warehouse in costa mesa at some point once that became part of it which had to have been uh gosh eight or nine years ago or something like that um at this point if and 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 yeah, I just remember the energy around it even then of just people going, this is a really cool thing these these ladies are, are doing and there's really something happening. Uh, it seemed like you guys got really good PR at the time as the story grew. Um, and I, But part of actually what I'm curious about is sort of what happened after the sort of that period of excitement and make it happen and you're in school and all that stuff to, okay, this is a real business and we are now trying to sustain something for the longer haul, not only on the supply side with these relationships with these women and wanting to treat them really well, but also for you to run a business that is, like that's not a short, just get it all done all at once. It's a, that's a grind and it's long. And uh, so so what what was that sort of stage of business like and how long did the excitement sustain you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head that there was like a, a stage of just so much energy and adrenaline built around the brand. I mean, we started at an interesting time because the only, only kind of give back brand that was around at the time that at least was doing something that felt trendy was Tom Shoes. And we're often referred to as the Tom shoes of jewelry, which is funny to think about. But and it always kind of offended us because we're like, no, we're doing so much more with development work than what Tom says. And we, you know, and then, you know, more more power to them like they're doing great things. But we were just always like, but we want to talk about all the cool stuff we're doing in Uganda. And um, it was interesting because people were starting to understand what does ethical fashion mean? I mean, that was a term that is hopefully a common term now. And I think it is, but at the time, the idea of a ethical fashion movement or fashion revolution, like that just wasn't a thing. No one cared about where their products were made. No one thought twice about buying a shirt at Forever 21 for $4. And, um, and, you know, we started realizing that this actually needed to be more than about just the development work we were doing. This had to be about shining a spotlight on, um, just caring about where your products are made. And so in that, we really felt like we needed to build sort of a tribe around that, a community around that. And it thankfully started, I mean, we started the business and obviously in the same town we went to college in and the same place we went to church in. And, you know, we, um, uh, had just a lot of connections in this area, um, in Costa Mesa. And so we just realized, Like we would throw those parties and have concerts at our warehouse and bring as many people in as we could just to start building that kind of community around this idea of ethical fashion and, you know, making it, um, more than just a trend, but really about people who believed in it. And so I love Andrew that you're connected to some of our like early day stories and memories, because that was such an important time for us was to get people to really, um, dive in and, and, and really commit to this idea of fashion and, um, and obviously it doesn't mean that so much of that community, like obviously everyone loves a good sale and loves a good find at Target and whatever, but it's more importantly really starting to consider where it is, not just my, my jewelry come from, but where does my clothing and my food and my coffee and my chocolate and all of these different things, where are these products coming from and how can we create a bigger movement around that? And so it's, it's really cool to see in the beginning. I think we had a lot of feedback of, okay, so you're a give back brand that's a for-profit but then where does the money go what does that mean and now people get it so I'm kind of with you where it's like yeah when people say they do ethical fashion I don't know do they do they not I don't know about that but at the same time we're like it's it's cool that people care now and that they understand that term and that that's something that feels important to them from on a consumer level so um, I hope and I think we are pioneers in this really cool movement of building a community that cares and that cares about where their products came from.
0: Yeah. And just to be clear, I, I totally agree with that. But I mean the their movement towards ethical fashion is, is great. <laughs> uh, like full stop, right. Period. The, it, it's, that's a good thing for the world. I just, just, I just haven't heard anybody tell the story with the level of sort of, um, integrity uh, of around the, (laughs) the, around the origin story that like Callie just told us a little bit ago and, and just the personalness and the depth of these relationships and how real that really was. Um, so yeah, just really, really cool. Uh, Um, I, I wonder, um, If you guys, I mean, I could talk about all of these things for a long time and, and maybe at some point we'll have you back as we keep thinking about what does it mean to do ethical fashion, be good, a good future episode. What does it mean to do ethical business in 2020 and how has that changed and evolved over time? But I'm, I'm curious, especially with, with sort of the audience of this podcast to hear a little more of the entrepreneurial journey and story and even kind of what has brought you to the point that you're at now where you're going, now it's time for me to do something different and, and, and. And move along in terms of the everyday part of it. So, just just to be totally clear with our audiences, uh, Callie, Jesse, I don't know if you you guys know this, but this podcast uh, st- is. I was told in the beginning that I was supposed to be ruthlessly, brutally honest, including about when things were um, tough. So we we've tried to be pretty clear and straightforward with people about sort of what the actual inside of four four hundred looks like. Um, so so just to be totally clear, Jesse and Callie both definitely staying involved in real ways in the business, but. Maybe not as much as the total full time thing, and and so what has made you guys move uh, from this is everything I'm doing in my life to maybe it doesn't have to be everything I'm moving. Like, what has that last couple of years of the journey been like that has made you get to that point? It may be different for each of you, by the way.
1: Um, I'll I'll start. This is Callie. Um, I. Yeah, for me, I think, well, going towards this, it's been, it was a long, hard road with, you know, as you can hear and even tell, um, that there had been so many amazing things and there had been so many really, really hard things. Um, and I think that at some point it just got to be where, it just became hard and it. And I, I felt like we were also just kind of like, okay, I think we're ready for a partner. (laughs) I think we're ready for a little, like a little pick me up a little, like, let's, let's, let's have some, let's have someone to do this with. Um, and I think that that was for me kind of where we were at, um, and just being, feeling, feeling tired over the years. Um, and yeah, and I'm like, it's been really odd. I mean, I haven't, I'm, so I design all of our products. Um, and I haven't designed for, well, I don't, since October, I think, which it has not happened. Which I have not done ever since we started throwing bits. So I feel like I'm like kind of drying up over here, just of like I and I'm really excited about it because it's like I took this time of of kind of letting go of bits of what I thought it needed to be, what it had to be, um, and I think that letting go and and being acquired has actually brought in some really exciting and new, um, I don't know, like almost like creation in me of, of like, I'm really excited like a new energy. for what's new. Yeah. Energy. Yeah. I feel like I definitely have a new energy of like, and I, I feel I can totally feel four by four hundreds energy. And I think that's totally feeding in me. And so this is something that I think I didn't realize that the, um, I guess, kind of until now, I guess it's kind of hitting me of like, of like, that's what this requirement for me has been really exciting about. Um, it's just that new energy of, of other, other people together in this. Um, and yeah, so I'm, as of right now, I'll be only working part-time for, for, or for three and bits doing only design, which, Holla. I'm so excited because I was doing production and I was doing like so much that I felt extremely way over my (laughs) head. Um, so I'm actually really excited about that. And then, um, I have two girls. Um, so I'm excited to be able to be with them a little bit more. Um, and then, yeah. And then my husband has a furniture brand that I'll be designing for as well. So, um, I decided to kind of take a step back of not being full time with the roomits um, so that I could kind of broaden broaden my spectrum of of being able to be creative and enter into furniture um, and then also be with family and and be able to have like some rest time. Um, but I'm like. I'm like getting that energy back and getting that like itch. So it's, it's <laughs> going to be really interesting. That's
0: awesome.
1: <laughs> That's my side.
0: What about you, Jesse? Yeah.
2: I mean, I think after, you know, being um, in 30 and bits for almost 12 years now, which is crazy to say, but essentially all of our twenties and, you know, now we're in into our thirties and just realizing like, gosh, this has been the most life-changing, amazing experience that I could ever ask for. And in some ways it's, it's obviously it's all bittersweet because it feels like kind of that community and tribe that we talked about, like it almost feels like things have just transitioned so much that it's like, gosh, will that go away or will that grow? What does this future look like? And so, um, it's been a weird, a weird time in a sense to sort of like pass over the reins, but like Kelly said, it felt like something we needed to do for one I think for ourselves, just to, for us to grow in new ways and discover what, what it is that, like, how do we play into the things that we're really, really good at? And then how do we grow in the areas that we want to grow in? Um, and then two, what's the best thing for the company? I mean, what's the best thing for really, really growing this platform that we've created for ethical fashion. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, I think for me personally, it was kind of this, it was a really hard decision to figure out what the future looks like. But I've always said that I really, I always said that I wish that between college and 31 bits that I had a few years to go work for the corporate world and understand that world and understand how to really build great operations and systems and be mentored by someone above me and learn from both good leadership and probably bad leadership. And so, um, so I'm actually my plan moving forward is to go spend a few years in the corporate world and, I have an opportunity to do that and just really grow in my own career and leadership and figure out what direction I want to take. And my my ultimate goal is to be able to a apply that stuff to thirty minutes. And I'm so thankful. I mean, one of the huge reasons that we wanted to work with four by four hundred is because we knew we'd still be able to be so involved and still have some ownership where we got to be part of the bigger picture and the bigger story. And so I'm just I feel like I'm in such a cool spot now to be able to um, grow as a person and as a leader, but also get to contribute that to 31 bits, knowing that by kind of giving 31 bits, kind of the next, uh, pushing it into the next season or the next chapter is ultimately going to help it grow in a way that maybe we couldn't get it to right now. And, and whether that was because we're tired or because we didn't have the finances or whatever it might've been, I think that, you know, this is going to open up a new chapter, that is gonna help us grow in a way that it means it means providing more jobs and more opportunities for artisans and a more awareness for customers. and so um, so yeah, I think it's it's a it's a really crazy weird step. and since we want to talk the the ups and the downs um, transparently, I'll say that like it's it's equally bitter like it's equally hard as it is exciting, but I would say the excitement and the opportunity completely outweighs. Any kind of fear that we would have, because we just feel so in sync with what four by four hundred wants for the company, and we just couldn't think of better partners. So, um, so yeah, I hope that this next season of life really brings a lot of growth for both Callie and I, but more importantly for um, for thirty one bits and what the the future holds for the company.
0: Perfect. You you read those words that I sent you just exactly right. So I appreciate you. <laughs> no, that was I, from
2: the heart, Andrew. <laughs> I, know, I know.
0: No, I, like I just, I just. I don't. I don't know if you know. I mean, you, you do because you you guys have run your business. But you you have to know how exciting that is for me as the guy running four hundred to hear, like Callie for you to say you're re-energized by this. Like we understand. We we really know what it is like to be in the day to day and to feel the energy fade at times and things like that. And and for Jesse, for you to say this gives me the opportunity to grow in these other ways and then maybe apply those back into my business and. Uh, and, and Callie, you, you told a little story there about, about getting to get rid of some jobs because of your partnership with us and only focus on the ones you want. That's like, I, I think my own estimation of what we can provide for entrepreneurs in our goal of helping entrepreneurs achieve their dreams is that's like, to me, the number one thing we can do is that we can offload a bunch of the parts of jobs of the job that you hate Uh, and you can give that to us and to people who like weirdly love some of those parts of the job. And, uh, (laughs) and, and I like, if my goodness, if I had to design a jewelry product, we would be like 31 bits would be so screwed. So the, (laughs) the idea of like being able to actually extend your own best skills by focusing in the places that, that really give you life and energy, bring that into our ecosystem And for us to then go and like, hey, we we actually, we know a little bit about how to drive traffic with ads and how to build out kind of the great automations and all that sort of tactical marketing stuff that is crucial for growing an e-commerce business right now. And to say that like we could bring all of that together um, and uh, at the same time. Um, you know, Jesse, you can go pursue this other opportunity that's an awesome opportunity, <laughs> knowing what it is as I do. It, so yeah, all that stuff is just really, really encouraging to me. It, I, I love hearing it. it makes me really excited about the future. And it just just makes me want to win. It's fun like my video production guy, uh, CJ, who is just a wizard he's so good I can't wait for you guys to see the first stuff that he sends you when he takes your stuff and shoots it and creates cool videos and ads from it. Uh, he's this young kid, but CJ was telling me early uh, or in our uh, end of the year meeting in 2019 to sort of wrap the year. I said like what do you love about this part of the job? You know, you're new in e-commerce. Like what tell me tell me what's exciting about it to you? He's a really creative kid. I expected him to say like I love it when I can create a cool video that's uh that's that's, you know, really creative and interesting or whatever. And, but what he said was I love winning for Brian and for Amber who are two of our other entrepreneurs, um, or, you know, in those kinds of situations that like he, he, that was the thing that was really exciting to him was the idea that there is somebody who started a business and when his video ad sells product and grows their business, he gets to mm-hmm. see the effect it has on them. I think that that thread runs through our organization in a way that is awesome. So, so to hear you echo back, we are excited about this for that reason. is just, is just like thrilling to me. It, it's just like, let's go, let's do this. Like how fast can we make the integration totally. happen so we can go, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean That's I feel like awesome. one of the and I'm sure if you're an entrepreneur listening to this, I feel like one of the biggest pain points as a small company is that at some point you reach a level where you're like in this weird in-between stage where it's like you have to have all the components of a big company. You have to pay for workers' comp plans and insurance plans and you have to pay for UPC codes and all of these things. And it's like, gosh, I just it in some ways we've we've always like kind of looked back at the old days, like, oh, life was so easy back then. And now we have to have all of these these things that we have to structure in a way that like, that's not who Callie and I are. Like, that's not the stuff we love doing. We do not love figuring out UPC codes for products. And so it's so cool to work with.
0: We don't have anybody system, who loves like that. By I'm sorry, to tell you. Like, that,
2: well, yeah, maybe not many <laughs> people love that, but it is—it is nice to be able to know that, like, we get to focus on the parts of the company that we love, whether it's design or storytelling or marketing or whatever, and you know, focus on the things that we really, really love about the brand, and then knowing that we have this amazing partner that is good at all the things that we're not good at, and so. Um, I, it's something that I think we've, we've wanted for a really, really long time and didn't know that it existed. And then when I like randomly had this meeting with Taylor a few months ago, it was like, I called Callie right after the meeting. and was like, Callie, this is going to sound really weird, but I think we might be able to sell 31 bits to this awesome company. (laughs) And it was like, um, and both of us just instantly had this moment of like, gosh, this could be like everything that we wanted for the brand to take everything we're not good at and then get to focus on the things that we are good at and so i feel like that's what's so exciting for us
0: that is fantastic we uh taylor and i talk and this is going to get towards maybe a little bit of something that we taylor and i again kind of briefly referenced the other day but we, we just have a sense that there's something bigger than us in all of this and uh <laughs> t- all four, uh, all three of us on this on this podcast, and Taylor are all people of faith, and so I think we would identify that sense as God. I think there's, um, but there's a real sense in some way or another. That there's something bigger going on than 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 ourselves, and even the way this meeting. I always think too, like of yeah, just the craziness of of my interactions with you ladies back when I was playing shows in your warehouse. I was, a, I was in a completely different industry, completely different line of work, not in e-commerce at all. I had, I mean, if you would have told me then you are going to be running the company that acquires this company one day, like I would have just laughed, <laughs> laughed you off the face <laughs> of the planet. It's
2: really weird. It is really crazy.
0: So there's just like all kinds of stories like that. So we're just, we're excited for what's next. Um, may, maybe just to wrap up, each of you could give me the very brief, like what your next great hope for 31 bits is. If, if this goes amazingly well, what, what happens?
2: Uh I mean I yeah, I would just say that um I think the the biggest excitement this brings to to us and to me personally is knowing that four by four hundred has the capacity and the skills um to really bring the the company to a place that we've been wanting it to go for a long time. And that's really to um well it's kind of a twofold. One is to drive so just more and more awareness to ethical fashion, more and more customers to our website to really dive into real ethical fashion. I mean, not this kind of like fake trendy version of it, but to really truly read about the artisans and read about the people making the products that they're buying. I mean, that's just such a beautiful picture of what consumerism can and should look like. And, um, and then in that, I mean, the more people we can drive to the company, to the website, to buy product, and to read those stories, and to be part of this community, the more the more artisans that we can employ. And so we would just love to. Um, I, I I really see it going to working with new communities, new artisans, new types of materials, new types of jewelry, and expanding this to really being a platform that artisans can sell their work on and, and really just put their artwork on display for consumers to buy. And so if we can just be that middle person to put someone's beautiful work on display for someone to purchase, like that, that to me is like the dream. That's, that's where I really want what they what I want 30 Omits to be. And I think it can be that in a whole new way.
1: Yeah. And I think for me, it would be. Very similar of just, um, yeah, just for artisans to to be known um and to be heard and to feel you know there's so many so much of uh, especially we see this a lot in Bali, you know, people just make orders and they are never asked people you know they don't ask like oh who who made that or Why, why did, why do you do it that way? And you start, you you start asking those questions and you hear from these artisans and you see them light up of, oh, they, they, you, you want to know me and you want to show that it's, you're not, you don't just want to put it in a PO. You want to actually like, let my creation live and let me live in that as well. Um, so I'm really excited about that and continuing that and to continue doing that in different ways. We do that very different in Bali than we do in Uganda. And so, you know, if if things go other places or countries, like I'm really excited to learn and see what that next place and people in is going to be as well and and how to listen and how to show people that, that, that we want to know them, um, and see that self-esteem just blossom. Um, so that's really exciting for me. Another one would be, um, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm a big dreamer. I don't know if you can hear that in me, but, um, I'm a big dreamer and, um, already, like, I feel like I'm really I'm really dreaming about, you know, right now we really love to show that our that we care about these artisans. Um and for me in my personal life, I'm starting to open up more and more of how we love this planet and earth as well. So my vision would be that all right, let's take let's be like a whole and like encompassing do good company of not just the people who make it, but also like also this planet. Like, how are we, how are we sourcing our product? How many places is it getting flown everywhere? Um, and how, you know, what is it packaged in? Is it all plastic or can we do it some really cool, like hand paper with, I don't know, like floral something. I don't know what it could be, but really taking it to the next level and making it where we want to be sustainable in people's lives, in our lives, and also in, in the planet and in this earth. Um, so yeah, that would be probably like my next really exciting, like hope. And, um, for what 30 minutes could be.
0: That's awesome. Um, I'll tell you mine and it's to honor all of that. And to take this to the next level in the ways that you guys are pursuing, and then at the end of it, and this is like this is like a particular joy for me to um, sell the company again to a uh, in a in a um, in an acquisition that's worth a lot of money, and to scratch out a giant check to both of you. That's actually my dream for it. Um, I my dream obviously for the company itself includes all the things you're saying and uh, and it, and that's there but I, and I, but I won't I also won't pretend to be the person who's going to drive that passion but I get to sit in this place where I hear what you two are saying and like I just want nothing more than for there to be enormous amounts of just pure like business success to come onto your side of things because I believe in your ability to steward the opportunity when I think of it of how you get to that kind of outcome it means you acquire a lot of customers which means you put ethical fashion in front of a lot of customers which means you employ a lot of people in the world it's like all of those dominoes fall that you two just described right to to get to that kind of an outcome and at the end of it I just I would love to say like this is this would be an incredible moment to just say like, Here is, for all the work you're doing, here's one of the rewards of it, which I know also both of you enough at this point to know, like, it's not really about getting rich or something like that, right? But I just think it would be really fun because I believe your hearts are so, (laughs) like, pure for the mission of the company to, at the end of it, go like, hey. Here you go. And just scratch that out and pass it across the table. So I always think about this like That'd we have be just really a, nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you'd say no to <laughs> that. That sounds
2: lovely. We've never really thought
1: that. I wouldn't I wouldn't it, say so. no to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think anybody <laughs> listening is gonna hear that like, yeah, that would be a nice this, again, the, the integrity of the story is so real that um, I think probably everybody would want that for you. So if anybody has that check now, let's just let's just skip all the hard work and there just you go. bring it along.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, so, okay, cool. Well, ladies, thanks so much for taking some time out of the evening here thanks. and um, and talking and telling more of the story. I think we'll probably have to check back in at some point, do this again, um, and and hear more of it. I, I, I actually, I, I passed on a lot of my own questions uh, just because we don't have time. So, um, so yeah, thank you so much. Um, thanks for partnering with us. Thanks for trusting us with your business. We know that this is also like, um, it becomes like your baby in this crazy way. And we, we do not take that lightly. We, we understand that we, we, that's real to us. So, so thank you. And, um, yeah, of course. And, and we are looking forward to what's next. so. So thanks. Um, at, as always, we would like to hear your feedback. Uh, so uh, shoot me an email at podcast at 4x400.com, podcast at 4x400.com. But uh, as I say every time, the real place where you should get involved in the conversations on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Andrew J. Ferris, Taylor, who was on the last episode, at Taylor Holiday, at 31Bits is on Twitter. I don't know that it's super active right now, but it's there. Jesse, Kelly, are either of you Twitter people? <laughs>
2: Oh, we're not, we're not no. Twitter people. No. Okay, that'll right. be part of the vision with four, five, four hundred. four hundred. Yeah. Well, Taylor <laughs> and I. On Instagram, at 31
0: fit. Ta- sure. Yeah. For the main Instagram account, for sure, that's <laughs> definitely the place for the, for the business, but for the two of you, it, I say every time, like e-commerce Twitter is just one of the c- kindest communities in the world. It's awesome. So um, get in touch with us there. It's really, really great. And, uh, and so, yeah, so, so get in touch with us there. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts. And I think that is it. Ladies, Thanks again. And thank you for listening. Yeah, absolutely.